Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Not Your Average Tea Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tabaria, and Christian's here. We're doing it live on location from my backyard. Nice little backdrop. Christian said it looks legit. And it's not your average tea time indeed. It's like past 7 o'clock. Weather's perfect. Got the bugs flying around. Feels great. Minus the bugs, but that's neither here nor there. Christian, man, it's been a minute since we did a podcast, so... You know, draft is coming, gone. The free agency is still technically here, but you know that's pretty much gone, coming, gone. What you, what did you think about the the Bears off season this year? Uh, you would have liked to have seen them do a little bit more in the off season. I mean, I don't think you could be too upset with how they drafted. Uh, you know, they they obviously lost a first round draft pick this season. They uh, their first pick was day two with the two second-round draft picks in which they addressed the secondary where they drafted Kyler Gordon and then Jaquan Brisker. Uh, So overall, I don't think you could be too upset with how they addressed the draft because I think they went in with, like, what, five or six draft picks, Mm -hmm. and then they ended the 2022 NFL draft with, what, 12 total draft picks? Not to say all of them are going to make the active roster or even the practice squad at that, but to be able to – I think this was the most draft picks the Bears have had since 2010, 20, uh, 2009. So I think that tells you that Ryan Poles is uh, quick to kind of leave his uh, imprint on this team, and he, he's eager to – as he said in his opening uh, press conference, this is, a, this is a squad that I look forward to building uh, in the NFL draft, that he's not going to go and – you know, overspend on free agents. He's going to build in the draft. And coming from Kansas City, you, you've kind of seen the Chiefs do that as well. I mean, of course, we just seen uh, Tyreek Hill uh, leave in the offseason for Miami, but that's a former fifth-round draft pick. Now, of course, he always had the talent. It was more so a characteristic type of thing, why he fell in the draft and off-the-field type of uh, thing. But anyways, uh, overall, I don't think you could be mad how the Bears have addressed this offseason. I know a lot of attention is being paid to the lack of money or the lack of uh, talent that was a, a addressed at the wide receiver position, but they, they did go out. They, they brought in Byron Pringle. They brought in Equinemius St. Brown where you look at them and, and you think, uh, you know, not, not the biggest of names, not the biggest of talent, but they are a couple of unproven guys. And, and I think when you look at this, new front office and you look at this new coaching staff i i think it's kind of built on unproven you know kind of unproven commodities and they, they look to to bring the most out of what they have so i don't think you could be upset um you know you, you gotta obviously see how things will play out during the season uh you you would have liked to have seen maybe a bigger name uh be brought in at the receiver position or or even tight end uh, I'm kind of lo- losing faith in in the former second-round draft pick, Cole Komet. But uh, this will obviously be a big year for him, so we'll see. Um, overall, though, I-, I don't think you could really be too upset with how the new regime has uh, gone about this offseason, though. Yeah, my thing is I- he had to say I'm looking forward to build through the draft because the Bears don't have the best cap situation, if I recall correctly. Like, it's not like they have a bunch of money to go out there and spend it, correct? Uh, so they don't, but next next offseason they do. 
Next and then you'll you'll have a better idea of what Justin Fields will look like, and, and that's kind of the question. That was kind of the question this offseason is: Okay, well, are you really going to judge Justin Fields off this year, where you're bringing in, you know, number three, number four receivers, expecting them to be your number ones and twos? And Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown, you still got Darnell Mooney, who looks to be a hell of a talent. So I get that, but I think the biggest thing so far this offseason that Ryan Poles was able to do. And I freaking love Khalil Mack, and you know that. And the start to his Bears career, you know, I mean, it was it was storybook written, uh, especially that first game Monday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. Couldn't write up a better story. I think the biggest thing that Ryan Poles was able to do, and, and it still kind of stings, it still stings to say it, but being able to trade Khalil Mack to the Chargers for a second-round pick and then – having the Chargers pick up the rest of his char- uh, contract. I think that was huge, and that's why the Bears, at least up to this point, look like they'll be in a really good situation to spend money on key free agents uh, in free agency next year. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, right? So everybody's waiting for them to make a splash this offseason. Obviously, it didn't happen. Like you said, they brought in a bunch of number threes, number fours, and Justin Fields is going to have to make – five course meal with that and it just is what it is cap situation kind of hurt him but he doesn't want to have to rely solely through free agency because i think that's just a house of cards waiting to be blown over he did a masterful job at turning you said i think it was maybe seven picks in the 12 or whatever it was just making sure that he was able to maximize his lottery tickets in that aspect i know a lot of people really wanted him probably to take quality talent like take the best player when the player was available but him trading back and getting people who probably aren't that far off and could be whatever player it is you wanted him to take was probably the right move for right now you gotta get bodies in there you gotta get people who can fit your system and you know Velvis Jones that's his name Velvis yep Velvis 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 like Velvis Jones Jr. drawing a lot of comparisons to one Percy Harvin Oh. So if he could be that type of player, obviously you want to do without the injuries and the migraine concerns. You being a Jets fan, I'm sure you're more than familiar with all that and <laughs> have a nice uh, memory of, of those days. But if he could be a Percy Harvin type of, of – I don't even want to say wide receiver because we know Percy Harvin was he, – he was kind of today's Debo Samuel, a yeah. do-it-all type of player, offensive playmaker basically was his position uh if Valus Jones Jr. could be you know even half of that in the third round I I think you got yourself a player and that was one of the players that the Bears upper brass sat down with Justin Fields and got his opinion on it and that was one of the the handful of players that Justin Fields kind of stood on the table for and so it, it it is a nice feeling even though they didn't go and spend the money that many would have liked on the offensive side of the football, it is a nice feeling knowing uh, – well, it's a nice feeling for those who back Justin Fields, I should say, like myself, uh, knowing that they, they did take his opinion and his thoughts on these prospects entering this year's draft into consideration. And, hey, you know what, this is a player, he's still on the board, and you know Justin was vocal on, on saying, hey – this is a guy that we could use on this offense. I'm a big fan of his game, and we could get the most out of him. 
I, I do think it, it feels good knowing that because there, there's been a, been a big question on, okay, is this new regime fully sold on Justin Fields or not? Uh, so I think taking his opinion and going out and bringing in a, one of those players that he was pretty high on entering the draft, getting his opinion on him, and, and then going out and grabbing him, I, I do think that does kind of speak volumes to how this regime views this quarterback who's only entering his second year in the NFL. Uh, yeah, he's young. And, yeah. you know, him and all of the rest of the now second-year quarterbacks have a lot to show. Right. Like, even, including Mac Jones, who had probably the best rookie year of the five. No probably He did have the best rookie year of the five. But he has to go out and show that he can learn another offense or a slimmed-down version of the offense since Josh McDaniels is now the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. So Mac Jones has to prove that he's the real deal. He can take whatever Matt Patricia, I think, is going to be calling their plays, throws at him. That shouldn't be too hard as Matt Patricia. So, yeah. But we're going to take a quick break and come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about the second-year quarterbacks. All right, we're back. So, Christian, let's talk a little bit about these second-year quarterbacks. So, what's your expectations for Justin Fields this year? And, you know, it's hard. It's just like a it's a tricky question, loaded question almost, because he doesn't really have much to work with, but you still want to see him t- make progress over last year, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if there's no progress, then it'll be a failure, I think. Uh Matt Eberflus earlier this week said it's a night and day difference uh, when, when looking at just his footwork. And that brings me back to, all right, you got a defensive-minded head coach already saying this about your young quarterback who, you know, last year the Bears traded up to get Justin Fields. Like Matt Nagy, you knew this was your last, and you know, your final chance at getting the most out of this job and, and being able to stick around. You had to get the most out of this quarterback who you and this regime of, of Ryan Pace, uh, you know, invested a, a future first round draft pick in. And I just go back to that very first start of Justin Fields career. And they literally sent out the exact game plan that they would uh, use for Andy Dalton or Nick Foles. It's like you got to realize what you got at that position and uh, especially on the offensive side of the football going up against guys with like, like uh, uh, Miles Garrett and, and so on and so forth on that Browns defense last year. And, of course, this was kind of before they the Browns kind of hit their downfall. They kind of hit a little skid of losing three or four in a row when, when Baker Mayfield started getting injured and all that. But, anyways, that's neither here nor there. But uh, for Justin Fields, you, you want to see growth and, and the fact that Matt Eberflus, a defensive-minded head coach, is already saying how much uh, Luke Getze is getting in. You know, I mean, they're they're talking all the time and learning this new offense. And uh, you know, you're not going to say that we're going to see an Aaron Rodgers 2.0 here. But uh, you know, on my podcast the other day, I know you're tuning in to Barrio. DJ kind of said uh, DJ Moore, former Bears player, he he was saying how Aaron Rodgers is at his best when he's kind of on the move, on the run, kind of having to make things up on his own. And, yeah. and I think we're going to see a lot of that with uh, Justin Fields this year. You wanted to see it last year, but I think that's kind of where Matt Nagy and his uh, 
selfishness kind of came in like hey no you need to throw it over here you need to do this you need to do that and wouldn't let the quarterback do his own type of freestyle movement when it was needed and I think that's where those nine sacks came in uh, uh, in his uh, very first career start so overall I think we're going to see growth I hope to see growth out of uh, Justin Fields this year I know you're losing an Allen Robinson a legit number one wide receiver but if you ask me, I, I think we lost him even before last year. I think getting mm-hmm. that franchise tag really took a lot of confidence out of him, and, and he wasn't really motivated to do too much th- uh, this past season. Then, obviously, he was uh, dealing with injury. Um, so you got Darnell Mooney. Uh, you know, Many around the league might not look at him as a legit number one. I don't. I think he's a really good number two, but that's who you got. You got Darnell Mooney. You invested in Byron Pringle. You got Valus Jones Jr. in the third round of the draft. Make do with what you got. You got Dante Pettis. I know he's been struggling the last three years, but his rookie year, he showed a lot of promise. Hopefully you could bring that out of him. Uh, you still got David Montgomery. Khalil Herbert showed a lot last year out of the backfield, a late-round pick running back last year. So, um, yeah, you'd like to see a lot more talent on the offensive side of the ball, but I do think that they do have enough to play winning football, especially if the defense is able to hold up their end. You got a defensive minded head coach, a coach that's coming over from Indianapolis that has had a top 10 uh, defense over the last three, four seasons. And I, I think you got talent there too. Yeah, you lost Khalil Mack, you lost Akeem Hicks, two huge losses, but you do got uh, Robert Quinn. You got Roquan Smith still coming into his own. Uh, Eddie Jackson, you got a couple second round draft picks in Kyler Gordon and Jaquan uh, Brisker, who you you expect a lot out of, uh, you know, year one. So I, I, you know, a lot of the narrative out there is that the Bears have a chance to land a number one, two, three overall pick next year. I think overall this team is too talented to do that. I think the defense will back it up. I think the big question is going to be on the offensive side of the ball. Hopefully Justin Fields uh, answers a lot of those questions this season. And I think he will. I think he will step up to the challenge, and he can be cemented as, hey, look, I'm the guy here. Like, it wasn't pretty, but I made soup salad out of soup shit or whatever you want, however you want to phrase it. So, But only time will tell. Only time will tell. There's still a little bit of time left in the offseason. And when uh, mini camp, not mini, yeah, mini camp for the Bears, and then training camp rolls around here, we'll really see – all of the pieces come together and see what Justin Fields can do. And an interesting note really quick on Justin Fields. Yeah. I seen a report today from the Hogan Johns po- uh, podcast to uh, Bears beat reporters. Justin Fields is not only taking uh, first team reps, and of course their backup quarterback so far on the roster right now is Trevor Simeon, who is expected to be the number two once the season starts. And then they got Nathan Peterman, who I think is just a boost of confidence for the defense uh, during this time. <laughs> but uh Dude, they're saying that Justin Fields is not only taking the number one reps, he's taking the number one reps, the number two reps, and the number three reps. Wow. So I don't even know how these backup quarterbacks are getting any reps. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, but here's the thing. I guess Trevor Simeon and Nathan Peterman, for that matter, like if the Bears carry three quarterbacks here, then, you know, they've played in the league before. They have experience. Right. These are valuable reps for a young quarterback who – didn't get hardly any reps last year because uh, they really wanted to push Andy Dalton's going to be our starter narrative, and that pretty much hurt his development, I think. Absolutely. But, you know, two teams who did not do that 
was the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets. Two quarterbacks who went one overall, two overall. How do you see both of their progression going? At the end of the year, looking at all the moves Jacksonville has made, all of the money they spent to surround Trevor Lawrence with better weapons than he had before, the Jets took a different route. They took the Chicago Bears kind of approach we talked about earlier here where they wanted to build through the draft. They drafted Brees Hall, drafted Garrett Wilson, 10th overall. They drafted Jeremy Ruckert, who was a lot of people's tight end one or tight end two. Um, Max Mitchell, tackle depth. They get Mekhi Becton back, who they lost after, like, the first series of the year last year. They're getting better. They signed Lakin Thomason to play left guard, move Elijah Vera Tucker to the right. George Fant's coming back after still a year. Like, just Corey Davis is coming back. Elijah Moore is going to hopefully have a full, healthy offseason. Who do you think has the better jump? We're still talking about the Jets and the Jags. So, right. like, you you can only hope that they're better. But until you see it, it's just all theoretical. So, who do you think has the better jump? from what they put up last year, Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson? So I feel like we've heard about Trevor Lawrence. It's like his senior year of high school, I feel like. And you don't want to read too much. I mean, Jacksonville, I mean, you think you had it bad as a Jets fan. I think I had it bad as a Bears fan. Nobody had it worse than Jaguars fans last year with the circus that Urban Meyer was running there last year. Um so I, I do still believe in Trevor Lawrence, but to answer your question, T, I think it's Zach Wilson, man. I, I do. I mean, you look at what the Jaguars have done. They 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 uh, they lost a wide receiver in free agency. I, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now, but he went to the Detroit Lions on kind of a prove-it deal. He tore his ACL last year, I think week three against Cincinnati Bengals, Thursday night football, um, and he was he was a beast. DJ Chark. Chark. That's right. That's DJ right. Chark. DJ Chark. So. He goes on to Jacksonville, so that's or he goes on to Detroit. That's losing a weapon for your star quarterback, or so you hope. And, and you invest. You, and I love Christian Kirk, but I think I, I've not met a single person who agrees with the money that was handed yeah, to him. And, and I think the NFL in general was pretty pissed off. Uh, that that kind of messed <laughs> up the entire uh, wide receiver market in mm-hmm. the NFL. You, you see what the the Philadelphia Eagles had to give up for. One uh, AJ Brown, um, you know there there were a couple other wide, uh, you know you see I mean Devonte Parker, or man all week I've been saying Devonte Parker Devonte Adams <laughs> that's a different story, um, but you see what the Raiders had to not only give up in trading for him but then paying him what they paid paid him, um, so yeah I think Christian Kirk kind of just messed up the entire NFL. Uh, specifically the wide receiver market. But anyways, um, I, I, I hope to see some type of progression from Trevor Lawrence. I, I think you will see that with Doug Peterson leading the way there in Jacksonville. And, and I mean, you look at what Carson Wentz is now compared to what he was under Doug Peterson when he was able to stay healthy. I mean, that, that year Philly won the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was with Nick Foles in the playoffs. But before Carson Wentz got hurt, I think he was my vote to win league MVP, and that was week 10, week 11 when he got hurt. But, um, again, 
a lot has changed since then, so we'll see how Doug Peterson does. But I think that was their biggest acquisition. That was their biggest help for Trevor Lawrence was hiring Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. But uh, let me talk about who I think is the better between the two, or at least in uh, for year two. I think Zach Wilson is certainly set up better for success in year two. You've seen flashes last year, specifically the last six or seven games uh, of the season last year. And now you go out, as you said, I mean, what, three first-round draft picks and one of them being uh, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of o- uh, Ohio State. Uh, you trade back up. You land Brees Hall, a running back out of uh, Iowa State, who mm-hmm. was pretty much undoubtedly the number one running back in the draft last year. And then you, you answer questions on defense as well. You add to the pass rush. Um, that's only going to help Zach Wilson and, and that team in general. I think the over-under was five-and-a-half wins for the Jets this year yeah. in Vegas. And, pe- and that, that pretty much sounds People like a, a guaranteed win the uh, for me. So if I had the money and, and if I were able to put down on that over five-and-a-half wins for the Jets – Uh, This is not only me speaking for Zach Wilson and how I think he is going to make another jump this season. Um, You know, early on it was a rough go for Zach Wilson. But, again, I think the last six or seven games you started to see something. You started to get uh, a little bit more excited. They started to uh, play closer games and and even pull out some victories against some opponents that you probably didn't expect them to be in play for come, you know, the final two minutes of the game. Um, I I think the – Five and a half seems too low. I know Vegas more times than not know what they're talking about, but uh, that's one that I would definitely go the over for. And that's not only me uh, showing a boat of confidence in Zach Wilson, but the team in general and how they were really over uh, able to uh, load up in the draft. And then, of course, you're getting uh, Carl Lawson back as well to help that pass rush that you also addressed in mm-hmm. the NFL draft as well. So. I think that, and then, you know, Robert Sala, big fan of him. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to get you too excited over here, Tabario, but mm. I, I really do think, will they win the, the, will they win their division? Probably not. No. Could they sneak into no. the wild card round of the playoffs? I truly do think that's a, a possibility. So when I seen five, five and a half wins is the over under in Vegas, I thought there's no doubt you, you got to play the over in that. Bro, you see this caterpillar right here? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that motherfucker. Big. Moving <laughs> fast as hell, too. Fast as hell. <laughs> Coming to you live from the Not Your Average Tea Time podcast. But, uh, yeah. And I'll do a whole other podcast on why this next year for the Jets will be different. I'll highlight what they got and how it's going to help address some of the needs and, and weaknesses they had last year. And it's going to be a good one. So, Yeah. I'll close out on this, Christian. You know, I definitely think that Zach Wilson will have the better year. As part of me being the homer, part of me seeing what they added, part of me seeing what they're getting back from injuries and all this other stuff. Another year running the same system versus Trevor Lawrence, who has to learn his second system in two years. That's always rough. And, yeah, I'll close out with this. Your boy Chris Sims said on the Pro Football Talk uh, show, he said that uh, he was getting texts from people throughout the league who watched Trevor Lawrence warm up and watched him throw, and they said, holy shit, that was embarrassing. Wow. Yeah. 
the way it came out, the way it, like it's just it was just embarrassing. Now, that was last year during the games, before games, and you know it was an Urban Meyer shit show down there, special shit show special down there. And before games, he was getting texts like, "Oh fuck, this is not good. Like this is actually kind of embarrassing how watching him throw this ball." But Bucky Bucky Brooks, your other boy, said he was down there like doing a podcast for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he had a chance to watch practice, and he said. You know, it looks like a professional organization. It looks like something that you should see when you go watch a football team. The ball has not hit the ground rarely. It rarely hit the ground, which means that Trevor Lawrence is signing his targets. He's hitting them where they should hit them in that strike zone area. Wide receiving core is upgraded, so they're catching everything. And, yeah, and he said Trayvon Walker looks like that dude on the outside. He's, yeah, it's like, you know, he didn't really get a chance to rush much at Georgia. Right. But in this offense, he's going to be asked to rush 80% of the time and 20% of the time draw back in coverage. So if he can just be okay 20% of the time and just unleash hell 80% of the time, it's going to be a good pick. So I know you're about to wrap things up, and I'm sure the battery's looking like it's about to die. Uh, let me ask you one question. I won't even chime in on this one, but Pittsburgh Steelers – First time in, what, 20, 21 years they're going to be without Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. Mm-hmm. What's your prediction? Who's going to be their week one starter? You got the battle going on between Trubisky and uh, first-round draft pick Kenny Pickett. I, I think they're still saying Mason Rudolph is in that uh, uh, discussion as well, but I think everybody on the outside looking in is viewing it as Mitchell Trubisky versus Kenny Pickett. Who do you see winning? And then overall, uh because we, you know, you're, you take a quarterback in in uh, the first round, uh, you know that that person is probably your uh, future of the franchise, or you're gonna certainly give them a shot. What's your overall take on Kenny Pickett, and how do you think he uh, fares in the NFL moving forward? You know, you said that person's probably your starter. I think Jordan Love would wish that was true, because it's not happening in Green Bay for him. Like. He's going to leave Green Bay, maybe get traded, and never really play any significant time for them at quarterback without Aaron Rodgers looking at him saying, not today, Boy Scout. He'll be going to the NFC South, whether it's Carolina or Atlanta, one of the two. Oh, yeah, probably. That's probably where he ends up. But in answer to your question, I think Mitch Trubisky is going to end up being the starter week one. Um this whole season, off-season, draft season, all we heard about was how much people wanted to sign Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. because it's, it spoke about how not great the quarterbacks in this class was. Now, I don't know if you can believe those reports and not be like almost a prisoner to the moment, then you think, okay, Mitch has learned a lot from working with Dayball up in uh, – Buffalo, he's learning a lot sitting behind Josh Allen. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, that can translate to the field. Now he's going into a situation where there's a little bit more stability than I think he had in his time in Chicago with Mike Tomlin and the weapons and offensive line and Najee Harris and doing things the Steeler way. So I think it's going to be Mitch. And one thing about Kenny Pickett that your boy Chris Sims said, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, all these guys, because it was talk about if the Panthers should draft 
um, Pickett. And he said, the one thing you got to be concerned about here is what happens if you draft Pickett and you're sitting there in training camp and you look at both Sam Darnold and Kenny Pickett throw, you're going to see Sam Darnold has a much better arm than the guy you just picked sixth overall. And if you pick him sixth overall, you probably got to start him. And right. if you, you're sitting there looking like, God damn, Sam is actually maybe better than him. You got a problem. And speaking to Sam, I'll close out on this. <laughs> Some Carolina Panthers news here. Uh, first off, my boy, Robbie Anderson, is talking about thinking about retiring. And, you know, I think I shot a message over to you and Travis and said, well, when Sam Donald's been your quarterback and you get traded away and then Sam Darnold comes to you again, yeah, I can see why you want to retire. Football's probably not fun if Sam Darnold's your quarterback. However, again, though, like, it's OTAs, it's early, but the beat reporters in uh, Charlotte have been raving about how Sam Darnold's looked. They say he looks like a different dude out there. I hope so. I hope so. Not not for Jets fans' sakes, uh, sake. But for Sam Darnold's sake, I, I truly hope so because let's not forget, didn't didn't Carolina start off like four and one last year? Four and one last year until Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Right. And then the wheels just fall off the bus. Right. Yeah. And you know, you, you got their head coach. He was supposed to be the next best thing since slice uh sliced bread. Uh I believe the Jets were Hoping to bring him over. I think the Giants were hoping to grab him. No, no, no. The the David Tepper, I think his name is, the owner of the mm-hmm. Panthers, ended up like flying and meeting him at home. And he was still committed to Baylor until he, he got an offer where he just couldn't say no. And next thing you know, he's the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I think they, they made him the third or, or second highest paid coach in the NFL. And now it looks like that might be the worst head coach contract in the NFL. We'll see how this season goes. But in the end, if you're able to get the best out of Sam Darnold, and let's not forget, I believe they traded a second-round draft pick for Sam Darnold. Yeah. So if you're able to make that look good, I I think you got to at least uh, hold on to Matt Rule and, and see what he can do for another year. But uh We'll see. I mean, I'm I'm hoping for the best for Sam Darnold. Rough start to his career, uh, seeing ghosts and all, but uh, hopefully that's gone away here in uh, Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I think they're hoping that by drafting Iki Aquano, left tackle from NC State, that helps stabilize their offensive line, maybe open some bigger holes for Christian McCaffrey. Maybe allow Sam Darnold a little one extra second and he can find Robbie down on the field, make him happy enough that he doesn't want to retire. DJ Moore, I think his name is there. He's pretty – he's legit. They got some weapons there in Carolina, but, yeah. I feel like they've not had a tight end in forever. I don't – If I was Carolina, I would bring in Steve Smith, not at tight end, and I know we're right, wrapping it up. Bring Steve Smith in. He, he'll he give that team a speech they've never heard of, and they'll probably – if you bring Steve Smith in, give the team a speech, guaranteed seven wins. So Matt Rule, what are you doing? Come on, get on the phone. They got a they got a young tight end named Tom Trimble, who okay. I think Mississippi was, State, right? Yeah, I think he was pretty good last year. I think I think he showed flashes. You're right. Flashes, yeah. 
He couldn't. Him be and Ian Thomas, I think. Yeah, Sam Donald's his quarterback. <laughs> uh, yep. For real though, closing out with this last thing. So, Matt Rule story. Him and the Jets. The Jets were ready to sign him on the dotted line, give him all the money in the world. And he was like, "Okay, what's the stipulation?" And they said, "We pick your coordinators." And he said, "No, I'm picking my coordinators." They said, "Nah." Either we pick them or you leave. And he said, deuces. And so Jess Twitter was up in arms that they didn't get Matt Rule and the ownership, stupid. What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. At the time, it looked like ownership was stupid. Looking at it now, he's had like three or four offensive coordinators. Joe Brady, who was supposed to be a future head coach, no longer even in the NFL anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, Jess dodged a bullet with that one, but. Everybody, I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Not Your Average Tea Time Podcast. I'm Tabaria. Christian, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Appreciate it. There we go. Till next time.